Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is Make It Plain. M-I-P. With Masamela Matsumo. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Ladies and gentlemen, another very, very special guest in the studio with us. Happy to have with us those of us who watched the royal wedding. Was, wait a minute, was it last year? It was last year, 2018. Last year, yeah. Time just flies, you don't know. Um, were just blown away. Mm-hmm. That... The Royals had a black wedding. Because <laughs> that's what it was. Well, yeah, some people think so. Uh, the <laughs> voice that you he- are hearing is a director of the Kingdom Choir. Mm-hmm. Karen Gibson is here with us. So Hi. good to see you. Thank you. Lovely to be here. Well, welcome to Make It Plain. Thank you. So you're here in the United States. Yeah. The choir's on tour. We're on tour for six weeks. Now, is this the first U.S. tour? No, we actually had two legs to the tour. So okay. we've done the first leg. That was a couple of weeks ago. And now we're back. It's the first, so it's the first time, generally speaking, that we're on tour. Okay, but okay. we've already done our first leg. How's it going? Wonderfully. The first leg was beautiful. Really fantastic experience. Mm. Um, now, is, is this your first time here in the United States? No, I've been here several times. I've got family here. Oh, and, you do? Okay. You know, yeah, and yeah. Home is Guyana, is, is that right? No, actually home is England. I was born in England. In England. But, but your my, family. My, that's right, okay, my family okay. are from Guyana. Yeah, yeah. Um, when did you find music as your calling? Oh, that's a really good question. As my calling, I probably didn't realize it was a calling for many years after I started. I started music when I was about nine. My mum sent my sister and I to piano lessons um, to keep us out of trouble, she said. I thought, right? it, I thought it was because we were really talented, but no. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we started when we were nine and eight. But I, mm. I think it was a good while. I think I was probably in my 40s before I realized it was a, a vocation. A vocation. Which, which is quite a long time. And and then what well, was starting out at, at nine? What kind of music did you learn? What kind of music? We were you learning learn? classical music, but Classic. we grew up in the church. You grew up in the church. Okay, so really our training was church music. It was okay. oral because okay. you're hearing, you know, 
black majority churches, as they call them in England, full of music, full of harmony, full of rhythm. So that is an education. It's just a very subconscious one. Now, you say they're called black majority churches. Yeah, yes. That's interesting. So we're talking about Pentecostal churches. Pentecostal. Yeah. So the music that you all sang was very similar to the music that African Americans sing here in the United States? I would say so. I would would say say, uh, certainly back in the day when I was young and growing up in the church, we very much looked to black America. They probably didn't know it, but, uh, yeah, we very much looked to them for inspiration. There were the hymns, and then there there was the modern gospel music that we were listening to. So you 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 were learning and singing gospel? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely, and teaching it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Were there any... um, Growing up in the church, were there any uh, gospel influences, any favorite artists you had? Most definitely. I would say that the reason why we're singing is because of the Wyman's Brothers. Is that right? Yeah. So when we were young, when I was a teen, the four brothers, um, that quartet, they released Mm -hmm. their first album, The Question Is. And The Question, um, I think, no, sorry, it was their debut album. The first record or track was called The Question Is. And my friends and I, so remember I, st- I said that I was classically trained, yeah. so I also played oboe. My sister played clarinet. My other friend played clarinet. My other friend played clarinet, and her sister played the bassoon. So we formed a gospel wind quintet. Wow. Which is quite a, a novelty yeah. <laughs> in the black church. Yeah. And so we were quite popular. But we wow. heard this song, The Question Is, by the, Al- by the Minus Brothers, and we absolutely fell in love with it and started singing it just naturally we fell into our harmonies naturally nobody had to teach us anything that's how I started singing and teaching gospel wow that's so amazing. I would say the Winers Brothers we've got to thank them we have a, a debt of gratitude to them but also to people the greats like um, Edwin and Walter Hawkins yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. Richard Smallwood and uh, Andre Crouch yeah, yeah ah these great so yes they were definite influences in yeah. our in our lives yeah um there's another young lady i wonder if she had an influence on you by the name of uh they call her aretha franklin <laughs> <laughs> yes but the, the, the very much so but i think in a much more in, in a broad in a broad sense. course right, right, right of right. course we were you know young christian kids and we yeah. were not meant to be listening to really secular music really no, no not yeah. when i was younger because, you know, it's interesting, you know, and, of course, we lost her a year ago. Yes. But a lot of the conversation was she was the first major gospel artist in the United States to cross yes, over. Yes, yes, And not yes. suffer the repercussions. Yeah, yeah. Because her father vouched for her. Right. As a minister, yes, he said. And yeah. he was the biggest minister in the world. Right. So it was like, in the United States at least, and it was like, Aretha can do this, it's okay. Yeah. But it's funny, you all were still yeah, under she, that over there in, that in the UK. She's secular, and we didn't know much about her, her background. or Okay. So um, she was a secular artist, but that's not to say that we didn't listen to her. She's amazing, you see. Yeah. But um, as to somebody who we were listening to regularly and intentionally and looking forward to hearing from, it would have been those gospel greats. Their next album would be buying straight away yeah. and listening to avidly. Yeah, yeah, mm. that, that's amazing. Um, so, in terms of secular, though, yeah. um, did you ever consider performing secular? Did it ever even cross your mind? No. Really? It, it, it never did. I mean, uh, yeah, I, don't, I just love gospel. Yeah. Apart from you know classical music, that I was in a number of classical groups, but gospel was was what did it for me. I never thought to 
cross over into okay. we didn't even want to I w we had a good friend who was very involved in the music industry and he would say you guys should make an album and we'd be like no we're doing it for the lord uh -huh. so we were very sold out to the church yeah, yeah yeah so you say your mom was trying to keep you all out of trouble yeah and, and i guess that somewhat included the secular right she wanted you to be focused yeah. yes okay you know yeah. it, it very very much back in the day they're very traditional you know and quite I would say there was an element of fundamentalism in, in the church ethos. So it was all about church when I was a youngster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. And what, what impact has that had on your life? I mean, it's hard to participate in that and be a part of the church and be a part of gospel music and not really, you know, think about your own ministry and your own life. And so has that had a profound influence on you? Uh, yes, I would say so, in that everything we did was to do with the church, Ev like everything. Okay. It okay. really did, it, it really did form the backdrop to how we live life, where we went to school, what we did as a job, how we socialized, it really did impact uh -huh. Uh -huh. everything. Uh -huh. So, um, <clears throat> I actually worked in IT for 11 miserable years, very unhappy years I worked in IT, but um, after mm. that, I became a school teacher, mm -hmm. and um, I taught gospel music. Is that right? Yeah. Well, in, in the school? In the school. So wait, wait, wait. You, this, was this a public school? It's a, uh, yes, yes. So there, it was actually a class in gospel music? No, it wasn't a class. It was, okay. a, it was a gospel choir. A gospel, okay, a so gospel you ran a good choir. choir. Okay. Yeah, okay. ran the choir there and ran it in a number of schools. Then I began to go into the community, and I was basically just doing what I knew to do from church. And then I began to go to Europe, where gospel is very big. A lot of people don't know that. A lot of Americans don't know that. But uh, they love it in France and Italy, Spain, Poland, Germany, um, all, all over the Czech Republic, yeah. wow. Latvia. Wow. Absolutely love it. What do you think about it? What do you think is so appealing to th those <laughs> about it? I think it's because it's a music of the spirit. Yeah. And I think it bypasses... Um, all kinds of persuasions and all kinds of opinions. I've taught people who are uh, Buddhists and Muslims, and I've even taught witches who, yeah, absolutely, who love gospel music. Witches? Yeah, yeah, witches. I remember the day they told me, and said, oh, yes, we're witches. I really have to hold it down <laughs> and really keep a very straight face. But yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just think it, it, it goes past everything. It, it, and yeah. if you listen to the themes, the themes of love and hope and inspiration and joy and peace, and people yeah. want that in their lives. Yeah, yeah. So when you're singing that, um, you're singing that over and over, it, I think it impacts you. It's coming out of your mouth, going into your ear and into your spirit. And so it encourages people. Yeah, of course, of course. Mm. Well, you know, I believe you because, you know, here um, in the United States, especially in Harlem, when you go to a black church in Harlem on Sunday, there's a long line of Europeans. Yes, 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 yes. You know, out wait, trying to get in yes. because they want to see and yep. experience it live for yep. themselves. Yep. And sometimes there's so many they have to put off a certain section, wow. you know, just because there's too many. The, the churches aren't big enough for the, the European tourists and the, the regular parishioners. Yes, yeah. But but yeah. it's in, in very, you know, big demand. They yes, want to see it and, and actually feel... Yeah. Feel the spirit. That's right. That's yeah. what the, I think that's what people want. They won't always say that, and they don't always know it, but they want something. 
I mean, yeah. we experienced it. Uh, we recently completed a UK tour, and all sorts of people would come. Just and they would, uh, and what they'd write back as the things that the music did for them. Yeah. So quite incredible things. Yeah. Yeah. So and so, I guess when you think about it too, now you said the Black Majority Church. What do they call the White Church over there? Just they don't have a name for that. Just no, church name no. Just, just yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, if I'm not mistaken, the um, descendant or cousin, so to speak, of the Church of England here is the Episcopal, I think. Indian. Am I right about that? I have no clue. I, I have I to think say. I'm right. But <laughs> I think I'm right about that. But but um, in the, in those churches, and this is no offense, they even joke about it themselves. Yeah. They call themselves God's frozen chosen. Oh, really? <laughs> I've never heard that before. <laughs> and, and because... And so there's, you know, because everything is very straight. It's and even stained. Right. And even the music is, is, is portrayed in the hymns in a very classical mm. form. Yeah. Which, you know, doesn't leave room for improvisation in the things okay. that, that, that gospel does. So yeah. I'm sure that makes sense. But, but it's interesting. I see a lot of similarity, obviously, between, um, you know, gospel and jazz. Yeah. Because of the variation. Yeah. Yes. And I tell you, I was watching um, my pastor and I were uh, on the phone one morning. Yeah. And I forget what the ceremony was, but it was something all over the television. Something was happening in Westminster Abbey. Yeah. I don't remember what it was a few years ago. Uh-huh. The Queen was there. Yeah. And we were on the phone, and the TV was playing behind us, watching us. Mm. He was at home, I was at home. And then they, the congregation, they had a congregational him, they started singing, Guide me, O thou great Jehovah. Mm-hmm. And he said, Mark, do you hear that? I said, Yeah. He said, They're singing a gospel song in Westminster Abbey. I said, Well, actually, it's not. Uh, See, what's interesting is a lot of us don't know the history. The history. So, a, a classical church hymn, mm-hmm. we would then take. Yes. And make it black. Yes, yes, yes. And hear it growing up, yes. and then think it was our song. That's right. Well, nothing of the sort. <laughs> nothing of the sort. But that's what jazz was. It was yeah. improvisation on popular standard music, Broadway yeah. tunes yes. of the day. Yes, yeah. And so uh, I would agree that uh, gospel and jazz are very much cousins in that there's lots of improvisation. So, for example, you would hear, in England anyway, you would hear uh, a chorus sung one way um, in one church. You go to another black majority church. And because it's an oral tradition, they might have changed some of the melody. Yeah, they might yeah. have changed a little bit of the rhythm. Yeah. Uh, they might have changed the swing a little bit. But, you know, so you've got this this thing where you have this freedom, actually, to be creative yeah, and yeah. spontaneous yeah. with the music. Because, actually, as humans, we are not robots. We, we're of the spirit. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we have different moods and different circumstances. And we get to create according to what we're feeling in the moment. That's what yeah. I love about gospel music. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So I have to ask you this. Someone else I admire a great deal, uh, in, in fact, he and I are doing a panel together soon, mm. is uh, Wynton Marsalis. Yeah, yeah. Wynton, classically trained. Yes. But clearly, you know, a, a jazz artist. Yes. You are classically trained. Yeah. Clearly a gospel artist. Yeah. I'm curious if if classical, ironically, helped to prepare you to then be a master of another form of music, gospel, 
that it's so much about improvisation where classical isn't. Yeah, definitely. It, okay. gave me, it definitely gave me tools, being able to read and to write music and to be able to teach from the dots. That's definitely, okay. especially when you're moved from the space of the church to maybe TV or radio where you're given something to learn and you uh, have to, you better be able to read that music. Yeah, they read it, yeah. 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 So it's definitely given me tools. So I feel like I've had um, um, uh, the best of both worlds. Yeah. So I start, well, actually, I would say that I started in the church. That's where I started. That's where yeah. I grew up. And then classical came along and gave me, equipped me with some other tools to be able to do my craft. So definitely, I think that, um, is it Winton Marcellus? Yes. There's, there's two of them, isn't there? No, it's Winston Marcells. That's his name. This the, but there's a brother, isn't there? Oh, you know, uh, 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 Branford. That's right. Or is it Branford or Brandon? There's a couple of brothers. Delphio, oh. Branford, uh, and then the father, Ellis. Yeah. So it's a whole family. Right. Okay. <laughs> I didn't know all of that. But um, I feel that they cross over brilliantly from the, the classical to the jazz, and yeah. you don't get that often. And I do wonder if sometimes being trained in the um, in the classical kind of limits your ability to actually create freely. I've often wondered that about myself. But for sure, anyway, But the, the Marcellus is doing brilliantly, yeah. I think. But yes, classical music have definitely, definitely given me tools on which I'll yeah. always be grateful. Uh, but I guess too, we, we have to acknowledge it, it's true that there's something about our genius as a people. I mean, that's where the music comes from in the first place. Mm -hmm. it's, it's in our soul and spirit. Yeah. That's where it, it ultimately really comes from. Because you, you can't really, can you teach improvisation? You can, I, I think you can um, approximate it. I, okay. think you, I think you can. But I think when it comes to improvisation, it very much depends on the soil that you grew up in. That's what I think. So if you are going to a black majority church where you're hearing the music all the time, you learn it naturally. I mean, I, I don't know if, they, if there's studies on it. I think, you can, I think you can teach it. I think you can learn it. I think you can learn it, and I think you can practice it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That's what I think. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Because if you are there, back in England, we have many, many great gospel singers. Yes. And I know for a fact that they practice their, their craft, they're listening to... They will listen a lot to the Americans. They'll listen to people who have mastered the craft beforehand, and they will mimic until they have their own language. So I think you can learn it. I believe so. Okay, okay. Yeah. Amazing. Um, obviously, too, I mean, in this country, we get a lot of our inspiration from our uh, experiences as black people. Yeah. Um, I presume it's the same in Britain. And first of all, it's always fascinating for us as African Americans, I don't know if you've heard this before, to see people who look like <laughs> us with the accent you have. It's it's like, first of all, this is what I don't understand. Because because I'm affected by it too. There's something about the human ear yeah. and the British accent. Yeah. That is just it just does something to you and it pose, it's why you all get all the acting jobs. Is that right? That's right. I cannot get an acting job, I believe because of Idris's accent. Oh. <laughs> if I had that accent, I'd be bigger than Idris. Well, is that right? I would okay. be the first, I'm trying to be the first black James Bond. Not, you know, so, I mean, but so if I had that accent. Okay, so I need to move over here then. Is that, is that right? <laughs> is that what you're telling me? Oh, you be, oh yeah. Or not. <laughs> Just the accent alone makes you. Really? We have heard this, and we are quite bemused that it's such a thing. We don't, 
it's not a thing to us, obviously, because we've grown up in Britain. We've grown up in Britain yeah. amongst English you people. Take, take and, right. That's right, and everybody has the same accent. My mum doesn't have this accent because she grew up in Guyana. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, but it's not, it's nothing to us. But when, it's really great because when we come here, we get the most favour because people love our accents. We even more pleased. Yeah, we're happy about <laughs> it. <laughs> no, it, it on the tour it will play well. Trust me. Okay. It, it, it will, Thank it will you play for that well. Too. You know, it's just something, it's something then, about yeah? it. Yeah, yeah, Don't don't deny it. <laughs> don't lose it. Um, but in terms of um, the experiences that you all have, yeah. In, in in Britain. Now, did you grow up in, in London proper? Yeah, in, yes, <laughs> London okay. proper. I was born in Wimbledon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, now, does that mean, is that because I don't know the geography, so does yeah, that mean yeah. literally near where they play tennis? Yes, it would be near there, yeah. So that's a neighborhood called Wimbledon? Yes. Oh, I had no idea. Yes, okay. yes, yes. I thought it was just the name of a stadium. No, no, no. There's a place called Wimbledon in South London. I live in Battersea in South London. Battersea is about 15, 20 minutes drive from Wimbledon. Okay, okay. Mm -hmm. wow, that's amazing. Yeah. D were there any experiences you had growing up as a black woman mm -hmm. in, in Wimbledon that mm -hmm. also helped shape your calling to, to this music ministry? I, if I'm gonna be honest with you, I wouldn't say directly. Okay. But what I would say is that the black the black church has certainly been a haven for those who, particularly those who are arriving to England in the 1960s, like my mother did. Mm. So, for you know, for example, uh, a number of these uh, migrants would have grown up in the church back home, Jamaica or Guyana right, or Barbados, right, right. and so coming to England, they'd want to find. Right, um, so they connect yeah, they'd want to find the church, but this is what happened to my mum. She found the church and she was going there for a number of weeks, and then the minister uh, stood at the door greeting people and shook my mum's hand and said, "Thank you for coming, but don't come back." And that wasn't only her experience; that was the experience of many, many of the immigrants who were coming from the Caribbean. And so I believe, and I don't have any firm um, research, although books have been written about it, that many of our parents found a haven and solace, a haven and solace in the black churches with people who looked like them and spoke right. like, like them. So um, everything we did in the church was against this, this backdrop um, uh, living in a, a country that was Certainly in the 1960s, very hostile. Mm. 1970s, not, not great. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a little bit different now, a little bit changed, but certainly, you know, we banded together. Okay. We, we clubbed together in the church. And while certainly in the 60s and 70s, 80s, we didn't really talk about race, it was our experience in the workplace and in, in the schools. But we wouldn't overtly talk about it, but definitely, you know, the way that race played out in Britain really impacted how we did life mm -hmm. in the church mm -hmm. and how we saw ourselves in this country. Yeah, mm. yeah. So it's amazing how similar all of our experiences are as people of African ancestry, no matter what part of the world we're in. Yeah. So, you know, as you can imagine, people came, migrated from the south from slavery and sharecropping Mm. to the north cities like Chicago and Detroit yeah. and 
found connection in the church there and yes. brought the culture from the south right okay. to the north right yeah as I'm sure your mother and others yes, in yes, establishing yes. those black majority churches in Britain brought yeah. their culture from yeah. the Caribbean. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. As I say, it's it's changing a lot now. So there's a lot more integration. You find a lot more of these big churches are much more much more mixed now. And uh, yeah, because they get it. They love our music. Well, yes, and I believe I believe that we have something to give each other. To, of course. To be of course. to be honest, but yeah. So there is this mixing of culture and music and worship styles which is happening in, in England now yeah, I don't yeah. know if that's how it is here but that's definitely. oh no it is yeah it is. I mean you know it, it's white churches embrace gospel music more yeah and and honestly gospel music um, opened the door to this music because <coughs> now called Christian Christian rock I guess it is yeah you know but see even that was was bordering on the secular white White fathers of the church didn't want that. Can't have kids playing rock music right. <laughs> in the church. Right. But now Christian rock is accepted. And if gospel had not been, you know, first accepted, because people want a higher spirit, they want more music. But but it's interesting. I was um, years ago. I uh, uh, preached at a church in Chicago, mm-hmm. and they say everybody in Chicago is from Mississippi, like everybody in the nation's capital is from North Carolina. These mm-hmm. all people migrated. Yeah. And. Um, I grew up in the Mid-South in Nashville, but there are things I just wasn't exposed to from the Deep South. And I'm in this church, and they play, they play the washboard. Really? Spoon and washboard. I'd never seen that wow. in person. Wow, amazing. And then they actually had a, a banjo on the choir stand, and I had not seen that in person. I, I grew up in Nashville, but I'd never seen banjo because banjo was always on the country music side of town. Yes, of course. And it was just fascinating. And I'm trying to get focused to preach, but I got distracted because I, I had to get them to say, y'all, I have to gather myself because this just, this just gave me a history lesson on black music, but it just showed how we yeah. bring our culture, carry yeah, it with us in many ways. We do. And, and you can only do you. You can only be what That's you've right. been brought to That's be. Right. So wherever you go, you carry you. Yeah. And it, 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 it comes to bear on what you're doing in whatever sphere. Your mom um, came in the 60s. Yeah, 62. What, why so? What made her, what made her do that? What was going on back then? Uh, with, so with the basically in England what they were doing is they were inviting people from um, the colonies, if you like, or from the Commonwealth to come and get jobs. So my mum took the opportunity to come over to England or to go over to England, because we're in the States now, um, to become a nurse, like thousands and thousands of others. So okay. she was okay. you know, going to make a life. And her intention was to stay for five years, save some money, and then go back. Go back home. And with thousands of other families, that was the case. We were coming for five years, going to make some money, then we're going, you know, because you put down roots. Put down roots. Yeah, yeah you get children, yeah. then the children go to school, and then the children go to university, and then the children get married. Then they have your grandchildren. <laughs> so you're not going anywhere at that point. Yeah, yeah. Mm. You still have family back in Guyana? Yeah. We do. Not many. Some of them are here, actually. Quite and a few are here. Yeah, yeah. Some of them in England. So those are the three, you know. So I have to ask you, because I noticed you said, first you said colony, and then you said commonwealth. Yes. So what is what is that like? Because I even kind of, I'm very interested in that, too, as I watch it unfold. The secretary of the commonwealth is yes. a black woman. Yeah. Is she from Guyana? I don't know. Where is she from? I don't know. I, actually I don't, I don't, don't think know. she, I'm not sure where she is. Um, but um, is, is that... In, in America, 
we we point to Du Bois a lot, W.B. Du Bois. Okay, yes. And, and he always talks about the double consciousness that we have as a people. Yeah. Do um, Afro-Caribbeans kind of go through that, too? I yeah. mean, yeah. It, now there's a level of goodwill. There's a commonwealth and everything is nice. But at the same time, there's that history and it kind of lingers. Do you all still kind of deal with that? Um, I, I would say people of my generation, uh-huh. definitely. So there was always, well, I'm British, uh, you know. I would never call myself English as such British. I grew up in England and, you know, that's my, that's my culture. That's where I understand. But then there's always this concept of home which is actually never my home. It was my mum's home, but she talks about it as home, but so it becomes my home. Of course. Do you, do you understand? Yes, of course. But the culture is really not, you know, I'm not emb- as embedded in the culture as she was. And I think also, like my niece and my nephews, the generation below me, I don't think they have that as much. Yeah, because they're even further away. Yes, around. that's right. That's do, you right. Go, do you go to visit? To Guyana, yes. The last time I went was a couple of years ago with my whole family for my mom's 80th. So oh, okay. five children and 20 grandchildren and 17 great-grandchildren. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, most of us made the trip back home. So, okay. yes, I think I've been about eight or nine times to Guyana. Okay. Okay. I love it, absolutely love it. So what about the choir, though? Will the choir go at some point? To Guyana. The, the Kingdom Choir? I don't know. I don't know what is in the future. I don't know what will... I bet, I bet Guyana would blow up if you showed up back home with I, that whole choir. I, I think I can tell you that the Guyanese were very, very proud. Of course. Of the, of the I was wedding. proud. Yeah. I'm not Guyanese. <laughs> yeah. I so, became honorary Guyanese. Uh, okay, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was lovely. I mean, for them, it was like Guyana being taken before the Queen. Yeah, I, yeah. And I had no clue it would have that kind of impact, but it's a real honor. You know, again, you know, the, the time difference. So to watch the royal wedding, mm-hmm. and here's a, 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 a black princess getting married, you know, and people, you know, well, we're going to look at it. Okay, we'll look at it. And I admit I was a little slightly indifferent, but I was curious. Yeah. Uh, but all my friends got up. Everybody over here got up. And you turn on just to see what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, sure. And you're still laying in bed because it's so early in the morning over here. So I'm lying right. in the bed and it's on. And, you know, people calling me. We're looking at it. And then you all did stand by me. Yeah. And I remember literally, and I'm sure this was a collective motion <laughs> in all of black America. If you were lying down, yeah, yeah. you sat straight up. Wow. We could not believe it. <laughs> not only were you all performing yeah. and, 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 and before the royal family, yeah. but you picked a song that is not exactly a gospel song. No, no. But when you hear it, it is very appropriate for a wedding. Yes. It is. And a very spiritual song. Yeah. And one of the most popular songs ever written. First of all, how did the Kingdom Choir even get involved in the Royal Wedding in the first place? Okay, so <laughs> my choir's been running for about 25 years. Yeah. We stopped briefly in 2008 to 2013. But in that first kind of configuration of the choir, there was a young lady. And she happened to be a very good friend of a member of Prince Charles's staff. So it's Prince Charles who wanted a gospel choir. It's Prince Charles, not Meghan. It's, yeah, it's Prince Charles who put out the call. He tasked this member of staff to find a gospel choir. Is that right? Yes. Everybody thinks it's Meghan. They even call us Meghan's choir um, in, the, in the media, but it is Prince Charles. Why do you think that is? I actually don't know. 
but back in 2010, you know, I told you I, told, I taught gospel in schools. One of my school choirs went to Buckingham Palace and met Prince Charles. We sung before Prince Charles. And after that performance, Prince Charles made a beeline for the choir mm. and talked to the girls mm -hmm. and asked them questions about their school, their home life, their mm -hmm. homework. Mm -hmm. And that's when I realized that actually he loved young people and that he loved the music. So mm -hmm. apparently, I mean, I wasn't there, but apparently the request came from him. I, I say this in, in, in as respectful tone as I can. Some white folk love black music and gospel. It just touches them. Well, yes. I mean, I teach in many, <laughs> or I have taught in many community choirs, yeah. mostly made up yeah. of, of English people yeah, yeah, who yeah. have not grown up in the tradition, yeah, yeah. Uh, really don't know much about syncopation, or step touch, or clapping yeah. on the two and the four, but it does something for them. Essentially, as human beings, we're all the same. Yes. You can deny it, as some people do. I'm just not going to be moved by this mm -hmm. and closed. But if you are true to yourself, you know, I, I remember I was at a church years ago when Bill Clinton was president, and Janet Reno came to visit, mm. and the choir, the Attorney General. Okay. The, 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 and they started singing gospel music. Yeah. And uh, Janet Reno fainted. Really? Yeah, it had to be carried out. So the, the, at that time, the, the public press release was well, she was under the weather. But all of us in that church said she wasn't under the weather. She got the Holy Ghost. All right? I know. I know. <laughs> but the administration didn't want to say that. Either, but she just, just like that. I said, no, that's she the Holy Ghost. She fell out. Yeah, just fell right out. And I said, that's the Holy Ghost. That wasn't no uh, God rest her soul. But now... Um, so Prince Charles, so yeah. I've heard that rumor. Yeah. So you're confirming it. I'm telling you. Yeah, I told y'all, you get viral moments when you do this. You never <laughs> now, so I heard another rumor. As to, I asked you why, but I heard another rumor as to yeah. why. Yeah, In that his mother is transitioning to turn the day-to-day -day oversight or running of the Commonwealth to him. That he respects and understands the diversity of the Commonwealth. Yeah. You have a black sec black woman as secretary of the Commonwealth, the, mm -hmm. the general secretary. I did try to do my own math one day and looking at all the countries. I dare say the majority of the Commonwealth now is probably countries with majorities of people of color. Mm, yeah. I think I'm right about that. I think so. Yeah. When you think about the Caribbean, yes. and all the other countries all over the world, yeah. you, they're people of color. Not just African, but I'm, mm. you know, in all parts of the world. And you can't lead something like that, mm. a world group, a world organization, and mm. have absent yeah. cultures and diversity from sure. other people. So sure. I, I, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm saying that I've heard that, but I'm kind of projecting it opti optimistically. It makes sense. Yeah, yeah. I think that um, there is a growing awareness of diversity and the need to uh, account for and cater for diverse communities in England. So yeah. it, 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 it's got to go that way. You, yeah. can't, you can't go any other way. And so it doesn't surprise me what you're saying about Prince yeah. Charles and yeah. the Commonwealth. So, yes. So, okay, so the friend had a friend who was on his staff. That's right. The and choir member had a friend. Had a fr okay. Right, yeah. So, so did, did the friend suggest to, to Prince Charles, hey. Yes. Wow. Kingdom Choir. Yes. But it wasn't Prince Charles who called us. It was the member of staff. Who so Prince Charles and Carly. No, you don't have a personal. 
Well, I've met him a couple of times. You have a cell phone number? Y'all uh, no, no. Okay. <laughs> nothing like that. Not on that. text, okay. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> I don't ring him up and say, how are you doing, Charlie? No, it doesn't really work like that, no. Okay, okay. So, so walk us through it. So you, you're then invited. Yeah. And then... Did did the couple or Prince Charles pick the song, or did no, you make some it, suggestions? It, it was well, well. I did make suggestions, and they said, they, in fact, they asked for suggestions. So I did my research, and you know, presented them with these songs. Said, these are our suggestions, and they said, thank you. Can you do these, please? So is that right? Yeah, they chose. <laughs> they chose. Um, so they didn't pick any of your suggestions. No. They, what did you suggest? Oh, um, joyful, joyful was one. I don't think I went down. Oh, happy day. Uh, the Oh Happy Day route. I've forgotten the others that I suggested, but it's about five of them. Happy Day would have been, yeah, that probably been too much though. Because you never seen folk run in those kinds. See, we run in church. You can't have a royal family and folk around him running. You need to stop. <laughs> <laughs> you need to stop. That would have stopped England, y'all. That would have been a whole constitution. You know how to have a constitutional crisis now with pop. That would have been a whole other thing. Yeah, but no. So that's probably, probably best. <laughs> yeah, I think so. Because so, I would have run. No, I definitely would have run. You would have run in, in the church. In the church. At the royal wedding. Right, and then you would have had to tell like you didn't know me. <laughs> it would have been a mess. Yes, I think so. <laughs> I, I agree. So I think that's why we did Stand By Me. Okay, okay. And they so chose it. They chose it. And they chose the style in which it should be sung. So what was your reaction when you got Stand By Me, when they said we'd like for you to do Stand By Me? What was your reaction? To I'm that? not going to say on radio, but I'll just say I didn't quite understand the remit that I was given ah. because they said can we have less beat and I didn't I didn't understand what that meant and and then they would say we'd like it stripped back and pared down really pared down and I still struggled with it because they're gospel people so Mark Dillasau member of the choir at the time he he helped he was uh, arranging the song so the first version was all gospel bells and whistles. And they said, thank you, no. So we sent another version. No, please can we have it stripped back? So we did another version, toning it down every single time. Third version, no. Fourth version, no. Fifth version, no. Sixth version, no. I think that's the time when we actually met the royal couple to talk about how the song should go. And we got in the room with them. We went to Kensington Palace. I took a few of the singers and a keyboard player, and we just, honestly, we just cobbled something together. I just said, let's try this. Do some ooze and miles here. Let's have three-part harmony here. Paul, you're gonna start with the solo, and let's see what happens. And honestly, it sounded so bad to my ear, mm. but the couple loved it. Really? It absolutely, I felt something. As soon as Paul opened his mouth, I felt something shift in the room, and they were like, this is it. So we'd recorded it, and it was so plain and so simple that we didn't believe them. We didn't believe that that's what you want us to sing at the royal wedding. So we did another version, seven, no. Version eight, no. Version nine, ver 10, 11. By the time we got to version 11, we'd run out of time. And so we sung version 12 at the wedding before they had gotten time to vet it. Yeah. You are kidding. No, I'm not, I'm not kidding. 12, so that was the 12th version that you all heard. But I have to say this, the royal couple were, were absolutely right in their decision, not only with the song, but in the way that it's sung. And I'll tell you why. Because if we did do Oh Happy Day, where you're running around and people are, <laughs> and people are falling out, 
that would have been for us. That yeah. wouldn't have been for the world. I guess so. But singing it that way meant that everybody could access it. Well, it was beautiful. Mm. I mean, hearing this story, you would never think yeah. that it was all of that and even it was not even something that you were in love with in, in, the, in the form, but it was oh, no. beautiful. Yeah, it was. It was. I mean, it was literally beautiful. The voices, the arrangement. Thank now, you, thank you. Um, so when you perf what we saw on television was version 12 mm -hmm. that had not been vetted. That's right. No, they didn't. We ran out of time. So were you nervous? Like, what if this isn't yes. liked? Yes, I was. I was no. I was like, I hope they like this. I really hope. But it, we were there. <laughs> There's nothing else to be done. We just had to sing it. Get and on. I with mean, it. and I mean, I know you were nervous, but like, literally, if this was like the old days in old Britain, if you didn't get it right, the king and queen just say off with your head. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, so, but I mean, they wouldn't do that today. But no. Um, so, did they like it after you did the twelve verse? Well, we got a lovely thank you letter for them from them actually a couple of weeks after and there's a point actually that's on camera where we're singing and you see them looking at each other and yeah. the look is a, a look of love and yeah. it also but to me it also looks like this this is what we're trying to say this yeah. is what we wanted yeah no it was it was done a very loving way yeah i was home by myself but i was looking for somebody to look at like that when you sang <laughs> that song it makes you want to find somebody <laughs> No, it was it was it was absolutely yeah. It was absolutely beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Um, then y'all now this this was this is almost it's a happy song. Maybe not quite a running song. If I'd been there, I would have would have would have run probably still and embarrassed you. This little light of mine. Yes, they chose that as well, and that's uh. You can't pair that back though. I mean, they didn't ask you. No, 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 no. So they they that they knew what that was. Well, that version's by Etta James. Mm -hmm. And I believe Megan chose that. Okay. So she wanted that arrangement. Yeah. It's slightly different to the one that we know. Yeah, yeah it is a little bit, just a little bit. Yeah, but but the so spirit is still there. That's right. It carried it yeah. carried over, and that was powerful seeing them it, walk it, out. It, that's right. Yeah. I, I'm on the board of, of Selma, and we organize a ju jubilee every year, which is the annual commemoration of Bloody Sunday, okay. when we won our right to vote. Right. Vote right. right. And that's one of the songs of that movement. And we walked wow. across that bridge where yes. John Lewis and others were beaten, singing this little light of mine. Right. So again, for us in America, yes, to hear that at a royal wedding, that that is a a movement song, not just a a, a, a general or generic no. gospel song. No. That is a movement um, song for like the a civil rights like movement. A, like a protest yeah, song. Absolutely. So I didn't know that. Oh yeah. I, I didn't know that. You before. were singing a protest song. Yeah. Wow. So like everybody knows me. If if no, I probably wouldn't run. I probably would have stayed to sit in. <laughs> and made some demands. Okay, in the in the in, in the chapter. <laughs> Karen gonna say, write this down. Wherever I am, don't let that brother yeah, show up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he cannot be anywhere I am because he might carry on. But no, that's a protest song. Wow, one of the most powerful protest songs in the movement. And so I've just grown up singing it as a happy, clappy gospel song. Yeah, literally, yeah. it's the words and the meaning of yeah. the of the words. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. I want my light to shine. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. Amazing, amazing. Um, has that, has this experience, and obviously I don't require his, his grown in popularity and interest, yeah. but in terms of you and even the choir members, has that, ex, has that experience being at the royal wedding, being seen in that way, mm. how else has it transformed you and or your ministry? Oh, it's, cha it's changed everything. 
for, for, for one, we're sitting in the United States of America about to go on a, a six-week tour. I mean, this would, before uh, May the 18th last year, I would never imagine going on tour. So, you know, my life, I've had to leave my other teaching jobs because I just, this thing has become a, a thing on its own, the choir now and everything that surrounds it. Um, so no day looks the same. Uh, people recognize the choir. People will come up to us and say, oh, the Kingdom Choir. Or are you Karen Gibson? And this is still shocking to me, mm. <laughs> um, you know. But also... Because you don't see yourself that way. People no. stop you. you. You're not always cognizant of people looking at you as a celebrity. No, no. Yeah. That yeah. word, celebrity, is a little bit tricky for me. Mm -hmm. um, so being recognized on a, you know, on a global stage or national stage, if you like, mm -hmm. as uh, the woman who sang at the royal wedding or as a gospel choir, as a singer, that's it's quite, a, it's, it's quite oh. a change. It's a change up here. It really does make you think about the platform that you're on, Yeah. how you carry yourself, right, right. how you drive your car, mm, everything. <laughs> everything, you know, because, you know, people are... How you can't get, get publicly mad at people when they cut across you in line at the exactly. store. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that one right there, particularly in the car. My niece is always saying, Auntie Karen, you can't do that anymore. Yeah, yeah, can't do it anymore. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ask, ask the Lord to keep you. Yes. Um, now, did I read that so you said teaching now. So yeah. where, where you were teaching, where where have you stopped teaching from currently? Okay, so I was teaching gospel music in the schools. I ran right, gospel right. choirs, but also in community choirs. Gotcha, okay. So I would travel mostly out of London uh, to teach community choirs. And I'd travel a lot to Europe to teach at Gospel Weekenders. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. outstanding. Yeah. So did I read that it was later in your life when you decided um, to go, did you go to a, a seminary or? I went to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry in California. Yeah, so I lived there for nine months. Is that, that was, right? That was 2008. Uh, yeah, to 2000. So when, you, so when you, what is, what kind of, what is supernatural ministry? What is okay, it? so basically it's just, you know, that they, uh, their, their main prayer is uh, the Lord's prayer, uh -huh. you know, on earth as it is in heaven. And, you know, the ethos is as Christians, we get to live life with God. We get to partner with God in seeing his will done on earth as it is in heaven. So are you a, a minister ordained, so to speak, as well? No, or? no, 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 no. Okay. This, this is enough. Um, but not in the official sense I or see. in the traditional sense. I would say what I do is 100% ministry, ministry of course. straight up. But no, I don't have any kind of title. I don't think I need a title to do what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't Amen. think we need titles to see lives change and turn around. And I'm seeing that all the time, just through song, mm. through the power of song. I mm -hmm. mean, some of the testimonials from the, the tour are just incredible. Mm. Well, we know that God is at work. And you have mixed audiences, don't yes. you? Yes. Yeah. Not, mostly not black folk coming. Yeah, yeah. Particularly in England, anyway. I'm looking forward to seeing what's going to happen in America. In America yeah. We want everybody to come. Um, you mentioned you see change happening. Mm -hmm. um, I, I hope so. You know, we have some, I think there's some folk out here that resist change, obviously. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We, there's nothing we have in common. How did British United States get two leaders that look alike <laughs> with the same hairstyle? 
we're, we're really going there. Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm not gonna make you go there. I'm just, Please, I'm just, thank I'm just, you. I'm just, I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna put that out there. But I think that's, I mean, I think we're here for a reason because of that. Yeah, sure. And you're here for a reason yeah. because of that. As a matter of fact, now that I think about it, I mean, you're here in this country representing the best of where you grew up, the best of Britain, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. representing healing and unity yeah. and the togetherness across races. Yeah. Where other folk are fighting at. Mm, yeah. Where you live. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, absolutely. And I while you, now nobody in government and, and the royal family has appointed you to do that. No. God has appointed you to yeah, do that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I would agree with you. I mean, the tagline on our album is uh, 15 songs of love, hope, and inspiration. And, mm. and, and those things are things that everybody wants, regardless of race or, or color. Everybody wants to be loved. Mm. Everybody mm. needs hope. Mm. The Bible says that without hope, we are men and women most miserable. Mm. We need hope to survive. Mm -hmm. and, um, and everybody wants to be inspired. And this is what I'm seeing as we go around singing. Mm. You know? mm -hmm. People are really feeling that. Yeah. Really feeling love and connection and feeling family and feeling invited into the experience that they're witnessing on the stage. So I want to share something with you because I was reminded of it over the weekend. Yeah. Like I said, I grew up in Nashville. Mm -hmm. My uh, grandfather and my mother both for years worked at Fisk University, oh. which was the first historically black college right. in the United yeah, States. Yeah. I grew up on that campus, literally. Okay, where, where the Fisk Jubilee singers yeah, came out of. Yeah, okay. And so did you know People think Nashville got the name Music City because of country music. Mm. No. Nashville was uh, named Music City by Queen Victoria when the Fist Jubilee Singers came to put, oh, sing before her. She gave the name. Yeah. She said, this is the city of music. Yeah, yeah. And again, it was not yet gospel, but Negro spiritual. Yes. yes. You all ever take those on? You ever try those? The Negro uh, spirituals? I've, I've sung them. Okay. Before, but I don't, we don't, you know. You don't really, yeah. Not too many of them. Yeah, yeah. Because sometimes I think that, especially, you mentioned niece and nephew, this younger generation should get the full display of the generation yeah, of our definitely. They need to know what our, our legacy is. Yeah. And certainly when I go around teaching, mm -hmm. I, I will teach a Negro spiritual. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, or two. Yeah. You know? So, it's, so I, I like to kind of tie things together. I grew up on the campus where one of the first gospel choirs was acknowledged by the Queen of mm -hmm, England. Mm -hmm. And now here you are singing gospel yeah. before the Queen's great, great, Queen Victoria's great, great granddaughter. Yeah, it's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it's, well, well, the world is smaller than we think it is. Yeah, it is. It, it is such an honor uh, to see you and to talk to you. I'm inspired thank by you. you. Again, you, you, you touched us all. Oh, thank you. And, and, and again, for that double consciousness I mean, you, you help people to see mm -hmm. their, themselves and their relationship mm -hmm. with, you know, Britain in a different way. Yeah. And that's significant for the royal family to say, we want this yeah. to happen. Yeah. And I can't stress enough, when you hear this little light of mine in this country, you get your marching shoes on. So for you all to sing that at that wedding, it, it just touched the soul. I mean, wow. it's, it's in your inner. Wow. That's so interesting. But I would also add to that that often when people of color come up to me in the streets, they will say things like, thank you for representing. Yes. Somebody said it felt like it was our, our wedding. It sure was. And um, I remember getting onto the bus one day and a woman came and plopped herself down <laughs> next to me and said, are you the one? And she's whispering to me and she said, 
we made it. Mm. Isn't that incredible? Wow. We made it. Yeah, yeah. it made us proud. The yeah. bishop preaching and everything. Yeah, and, and, yeah. yeah that, was, that was something else. Yeah. Wait a minute, you sat on the bus. You still ride the bus? No, I'm driving now. Okay, I was about to say. <laughs> Big time. You can't be on the bus. Okay, last question, because all my Christian friends are going to want me to ask you this. Uh-oh. The name Kingdom Choir. Yeah. Whose kingdom? Which, which kingdom does that refer to? Kingdom of God. Okay, because some people, you know, it's kind of a double thing. People think yes. that, you, you know. It's not the United Kingdom. Okay. i tell you how I got the name. I okay. got the name in, in a dream. Hmm. So um, before we became an entity, um, I was part of a London-wide choir. And we were asked to help out on a radio station, a program called The Gospel Train. And this program would go around and to the various black-majority churches and record the service, and the service would be the program. Anyway, um, <clears throat> after a while, the choir got a name, it, you know, got a reputation, and we got a call from a national uh, British program, and they said, oh, we'd like your choir to come and sing on our TV program. And I said, yes, that'd be lovely. And the producer said, what's your name? We had no name, oh, because wow. we were the host choir for the gospel train. So I said, oh, don't have a, I don't have a name. She said, well, you better, I'm gonna call you back tomorrow and you better have a name by then. I didn't know what I was gonna do, I had no clue, but when I slept that night, I dreamt of the name, the Kingdom Choir, without knowing what the Kingdom meant. I didn't even like the name. I wanted to change it, but I, I couldn't think of anything else by the time she did indeed call back the next day. Wow, so, that's a beautiful story. Yeah, yeah, that's God himself. And, 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 and so, um, so appropriate in the sense that, you know, part of our struggle as an African people, mm. whether we were colonized or enslaved, has been about our names, you know, who yeah. we really are and what our names are. Wow. When you think about it. Yeah. So that's, that's incredible. Yes. God bless you and your ministry. Thank you. I need to know where I can, you know, be where you are so I can run. Uh, and jump I want to see that actually. You can do that here. Maybe not at the St. George's Chapel, but you can do that in America. That's fine. I want to see that. Please do run. Karen's scared now. She knows my, she feels it's my ministry now to embarrass her since I'm joking about it so much. But no, really, God bless you. Thank it is you. truly an honor to you. You're royalty. Thank you. Thank you. All of, all of our people are, but you especially oh. because of what you've done. I mean, you literally lifted us up. That wasn't just a wedding. No. You know, some wins in and out, five minutes. Mm -hmm. Then the marriage don't even last no how. But well. hello. So <laughs> that was really a very, very high spiritual Thank moment. Thank you. Thank and you. And we are all proud. You made us all proud. Every yeah. all of us walked a little taller. Thank you. After that. That's okay. an honor. It's an honor. It yeah. really is. God bless you and all that you do. Album? Yeah, the album's called Stand By Me. It's available online, I believe. I think it's still in some stores as well, because we released it last year. And we're on tour all over. If you go to kingdomchoir.com then you'll see where we are. We're in several states. And, and I'll be crashing some of those, y'all. So yeah, running as well. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> the director of the Kingdom Choir, the amazing, wonderful, God's chosen Karen Gibson. God bless her and her ministry. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you, Mark. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Make It Plain and Get Woke. Remember to listen, like, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, subscribe to make it plain and get woke daily check out makeitplain.com to subscribe if all minds are clear it has been made plain
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.